I'm Misty Seibel, your host. Welcome to Sweet Home Seibel. Today is super exciting. I have my best friend Amanda with me and she brought her little baby Tucker. So if you hear little squeals in the background, it's only him. Amanda is a mom of two. She's my best friend. She's gone through so much in her life. I'm so excited about today's conversation. So let's just jump right in. Hi. Hi. Thank you, Misty, for having me today. Of course. All right. So first, I want to give you guys a background of how we know each other because we've known each other for a very long time. And we'll go from there. So we met on MySpace and she sent me a message. And then we met up. And I remember we went to Panera. And the one thing that I remember specifically was you kept tucking your hair behind your ears. And I was like, I like leaned over and like, it was like we were on a date. I was like pulling your hair out from behind your ears. And I was like, don't do that. It's going to crease your hair. And still to this day, when I do my hair, I always untuck my hair from my ears. I either have it pulled up or just straight down because yes, that, that um, <laughs> comment haunts me to this day. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, so we've been friends since eighth grade. We lived together. We, at one point, dated best friends, which we'll get into. We had a makeup company together. We've done a lot. We've had some decent fights. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Now we're both moms. We were both pregnant with my only child, Amanda's first child. At the same time, they're three months apart. Cole and Marlo, and so we'll get into that too, but I did give Amanda a list of questions that I wanted her to kind of think about before we started, and she was able to have some time, go over her answers, because I think her message is probably valuable to listen to, so we're going to go right in. So I do want to say a little disclaimer that I had a baby six weeks ago, So my mind, if you've had a child, you know what they say about like pregnancy brain, mom brain, all that stuff. I just want everyone to realize that I'm going to try my best to get out my thoughts accurately. But I also just had a child and my mind is like a jumbled mess. So just bear with me when I try to get out my thoughts. Okay, so when we were dating best friends... I think that's a good place for your story to start, if you think so, too. Yeah. Okay. Where do we begin? (laughs) (laughs) Where do we begin with that? You were with him for a very long time. Yes, almost seven years. So we started dating when I was still in high school. We were seniors. If anyone's ever been in kind of like a toxic relationship and moved on, you compartmentalize things and try to kind of shut things out to put them in their place and as a way to protect yourself and heal without feeling too much. And I honestly, when she just asked me to start explaining like what happened between us, I kind of just stared at her blankly because I couldn't even, I haven't gone there in so long and I couldn't even really remember because I, I feel like there was times right after we broke up where I all I did all day was play back all of our conversations and all of our memories all day long. So it's great to kind of sit here today and realize how far I've come and how like that's not even something I think about anymore. I don't even give any of it energy anymore. Um, so that's just a side note. So me and this, this guy, guy. 
Um, we met when we were in high school and we dated for seven years and the entire thing was just super, super toxic. We broke up numerous times. He was unfaithful. I was quote unquote crazy <laughs> because he was so unfaithful. And anyone that's been in that kind of situation, you know how crazy it does make you. And especially when you are getting so much positive reinforcement when you're like looking into things. So let's say I would like look at his phone or, and I know you're, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Fuck that. You're supposed (laughs) to do whatever you need to do. Well, if I looked at his phone or looked at his Facebook messages or whatever, I would find something every single time. So that would kind of drive my anxiety and positively reinforce those negative characteristics that I was starting to present with, which was controlling him and looking at his messages and... It probably made you feel icky because you didn't want to do that. But if you didn't do that, then you wouldn't have proof that you knew he was doing what you thought he was doing. Right, exactly. So it's like a horrible cycle. Yeah, it was just, I mean, it was toxic in every single possible way. So I thought he was cheating on me when we first met when we were 18 years old. But I remember thinking that I had never felt like this with a guy before. And I didn't really care if I was going to get hurt because I had never really loved anyone. And I had never really felt so much passion and fire before in my life. So I remember just being like, whatever, I'm young and I can experience this. It'll be my first heartbreak and it'll be a story, whatever. I don't care. I'm 18 years old. It is definitely a story. It is definitely (laughs) a story. I knew I'd be sitting here today. (laughs) So I remember just being like fully in the moment, being like, I don't really care if he's like cheating on me. I, I cared if he was actually cheating on me, but I didn't think he would actually do that. I mean, maybe like messaging someone here and there, but I kind of was keeping my foot in the door too. Like it kind of started off toxic in that way. I was texting other guys, he was texting other girls, and then we kind of got more serious and the years went on and his parents went through a pretty serious divorce. And so I thought that solidified things even more for us because I was there for him. I felt like his parents' divorce solidified things even more for us because that was a really challenging time that we went through together and I was there for him in ways that just felt very mature for us at the time. I remember just going through that and being like, okay, like now that we just went through his parents' infidelity and he just saw how much that ruined his parents' marriage, I just swore he would never go down that track. But as I'm getting older and realize like more and more about generational wounds and how they get passed down, you know, I hold space and acceptance and I have compassion for him because I understand that those wounds, you know, if they're not dealt with and processed correctly and worked through, worked through, then they will just keep occurring over and over again. As a 22 year old guy, he was not doing any of that. No. And which like, you know, 22. Yeah. I understand that. So anyways, that was just like a back thought in my head. Like, okay, he just went through that. Like, no way would he put me through that too. Like, we're going to get through this together. So we got through all that. You moved in together. Yes, we moved in together. All of this too, if you've ever been in a toxic relationship and you're the the one experiencing the toxicity. Okay. I feel like you're always the one that is trying to like 
make it work in these extraordinary ways. And you are pushing things forward in ways that maybe they shouldn't be being pushed forward. Are you saying this is what you were doing? Yes. Yes. (laughs) You're trying to fit a square into a circle. And that's what I was doing when we moved in together. That's what I was doing when I planned this like huge trip to California. I thought it would be the perfect time for him to propose to me. I thought moving in together would make him more serious and more committed to me and not want to go out as much. I mean, you're just doing these things in hopes that this person is going to live up to this expectation that you've created in your mind. What it does is it leaves you feeling emptier and more disappointed when they don't meet those expectations. And it leaves them feeling like they can't live up to the expectation of who you want them to be. That's where me and this guy really ended up our downfall is because I was putting standards or expectations that he had to meet, which was a lot of stress on him if that's not who he genuinely felt like he wanted to be at that time or who he was. He felt like he was not able to live up to who I wanted him to be, which left him feeling more insecure. That leads to finding security elsewhere and in other people's acceptance of you. And not saying that what he did was right, but it definitely, over time I've um, thought about it more and more, kind of how I, I believe that there's two people in the relationship and not one person is 100% wrong and one person's 100% right. Like I understand that I played some type of role and especially even just allowing it to go on as long as it did. You know, I take, I take ownership of that, that I let that relationship go on for too long. So then what happened? You planned your big California trip at this point. His parents had just broken up and you thought you were kind of like on this trajectory of like a new and improved guy in your relationship. Yeah. So then we went to California. We got engaged. Our trip was amazing. So we get home from California. We start planning the wedding. It's super exciting. I go to the venues with like his mom, his sister. I pick out the wedding dress. You had an engagement party. (laughs) Yes, an engagement party. Yeah, it was it was so much fun and all the things right. One day I was working I'm a dental hygienist. So I was with a patient and I worked pretty close to the apartment that me and this guy had. He said, Hey, you need to come home for lunch. And he's never said that before. And I was like, what do you mean? I need to come home for lunch. He's like, I just need you to come home. You need to come home for lunch. And I thought, I thought he was being like super cute. He like bought me lunch and I was all excited. And then he just kept being like, please come home now, come home now. And I was like, okay, this is really serious. So I ended up actually leaving my work and then going to the apartment. I thought he had cancer or something. Like when I walk in the door, he's pacing back and forth. He's hysterically crying. There's all these notes all over the house, like pads of paper with writing on them. And I remember just being like, what am I walking into? Like, what is going on? He falls to his knees and starts crying and saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I knew instantly that he had cheated on me. I remember being extremely composed and being like, it's it's okay. You know, come over here. You're okay. Because I had to get him. If you've been in a toxic relationship, you know this too. Somehow you always end up being the one that is either apologizing or feeling like you have to be the strong one in the situation because they somehow turn it around on themselves, which I don't think they mean to do that. But as bad as it sounds, I just feel like he was a little weak. 
I mean, I hate to put it that way. No, he just had a lot of wounds that he had never worked through. And Well, compared um, to you, he was a little bit weak, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, I knew he had cheated on me before he even said anything. And so then there was a decision to be made because I knew that I wanted to have children one day. And honestly, my unborn children are what made me make my decision, not me. Because if it was up to me and my heart and... My mind, I would have stayed with this guy and had a very complicated, but passionate, (laughs) miserable life. If you've also, like I've said before, been in a toxic relationship, you know the highs are very, very high. The lows are very low. I was on that roller coaster and to get off is, is challenging. It's very, very challenging especially because those highs are thrilling and they're fun and they keep you sustained when the lows are at their lowest and you know that they're going to make it up to you and the highs coming eventually. So my unborn children are ultimately what made my decision. I knew that I didn't want these generational wounds to be passed down to my children and for them to experience the same agony that this guy was going through this kind of like split personality of wanting to be with me, but then also having those desires that felt out of his control. We did go to therapy together and we tried to make it work, but ultimately I decided to end things with him. And actually the therapist that we were going to see made some points that helped me drive my decision home. So he had me picture my life as a movie. And so he had me go through and describe my entire relationship and the current situation. He had me close my eyes and he said, you're sitting in the movie theater and you have your popcorn, your soda, and you're watching the movie of your life. How would you feel about the girl in the movie that's dating this guy? What would you want her to do in that situation? He said, would you throw your drink at the screen and get up and leave and be like, this girl is ridiculous and stupid. Or would you be like, oh, she should definitely give him, you know, a fifth try. What would you want? I said, oh my God, I would totally be like, I'm out of here. This is the most ridiculous story I've ever heard in my life. And I can't believe she's going to stay with him. So that was the most eye-opening experience for me. And that's something that even to this day, when I am feeling extremely emotional about something that sometimes I, I go back to as a tool, it's helped me a lot. So once I made the ultimate decision to leave him, I kindly asked him, maybe not kindly, but asked him to move out. Pretty much right afterwards, started talking to my current husband because he was going through a very similar situation as me. And we started out as friends. Tell everybody how you know Scott. So our siblings are actually married. So my sister is married to his brother. (laughs) And yes, that's legal. We would talk for hours every night and I would cry to him about my ex, which might sound weird, but honestly, it was what got me through that time. And I wouldn't change our story at all because that was just the start of our up and down experiences (laughs) that we went through as a couple, like how we met. Scott was married, right? Yes. And you were engaged. (laughs) Yes, and I was engaged, and both had their wounds, let's say, and we were the receiving end of those undealt with wounds. 
we started talking. It was definitely not romantic at first. It was more of like a support system, friendship. We would talk for hours every night and he pretty much, he got me through those really, really dark days. Then it turned into a romantic relationship and I wouldn't change our story whatsoever. And it makes so much sense now that that's how we met. Our life since then has been a series of up and down, very challenging moments. If you look back to how we met, when we met, we were both going through a very vulnerable experience. It was extremely emotionally distressing. And that's how we fell in love with each other. Since having our son that has medical complexities, our state of being is kind of similar to how we first met. You're supporting each other through it all. Exactly. We're supporting each other through it all because we also, we fell in love with that foundation of how we choose to support one another. It's kind of like how, where we built everything from. And full disclaimer, we did not meet before I broke things off with my ex. The timing seems very close together. It just worked out. Yeah, it it just worked out that way. We did not leave our exes for one another. While I would come and hang out with my sister, he was coming over and hanging out with his brother. So then we started just hanging out more and more, talking more and more, and things just kind of evolved from there. Fast forward, we got engaged in October 2019, and then the pandemic hit. We were supposed to get married that year. Okay, let me just interject here for a second. Even though you didn't have your originally planned 2020 wedding, the wedding that you did have in 2020, I was lucky enough to be a part of, I was a bridesmaid, and it was all of, what, 10 people, but it got featured in Baltimore Brides? Baltimore Brides or something. Just a little side note, even though it wasn't what you were expecting, it was like almost even better. It was so beautiful. Yes, my life is a series of not expecting things that turn out ultimately beautiful (laughs) that is aren't you lucky my mission statement is (laughs) yeah that exactly we decided to still get married in june 2020 in our backyard in our barn with our immediate family and it didn't end up being beautiful that summer scott and i decided to start trying for our first child It took us a little bit of time, and a couple chemical miscarriages later, we ended up with our first son, Cole. That is a story. (laughs) For anyone who does not already follow Amanda on Instagram, I absolutely highly recommend it. Her Instagram title is at M-A-N-D-U-H Barnes. I will also post her Instagram on my Instagram story so that you can go take a look a little bit further into her story. But yes, let's talk about Cole. Yeah, so sweet Cole. I got pregnant with him, and from the very beginning, I felt terrible. (laughs) I um, ended up with preeclampsia, actually. I ended up gaining like 70 to 80 pounds in that pregnancy without even changing my diet. So from the beginning, something felt very off. I remember going in for his anatomy scan and they had me coming back numerous times because they just couldn't, quote unquote, get the perfect image of his heart. They sent me to maternal fetal medicine to get a better image of his heart and they ended up finding tumors in his heart. The doctor came in and 
I remember he was washing his hands at the sink and I just had a huge pit in my stomach and I just knew something was coming. He turned around and said, there's tumors in your son's heart and I'm pretty sure, you know, we're 90% sure that he has something called tuberous sclerosis complex, which is a rare genetic disease that causes benign tumors to grow in your vital organs. <sighs> so that was one of those pivotal moments in my life, kind of like with my ex when I walked in that door and saw him crying and all the letters everywhere. The same kind of experience where your world just completely comes to a stop and you almost just feel like you're spinning. You're trying to gain control of the situation and it's almost like you're, you're, well, your mind is outside of your body and you're, it's an out-of-body experience, let's just put it like that. I grabbed my, my husband's hand, which was to the left of me, and I once again kind of got in that role that I kind of switch into, which is very poised and like I have control of the situation. Nothing is going to rock me. When shit gets crazy, you get calm. Yes, definitely. definitely. That's a really, really, really great quality to have. I look at my husband, I'm like, it's fine. Like, we got this. Like, it's okay, you know? We got that diagnosis. We had to confirm it, but most likely we already knew that we, he had it. He had tons of tumors in his heart, and every week I'd go in for ultrasounds, there'd be more and more tumors. So I got the blood work done. It confirmed his rare genetic disease. I pretty much just got thrown into the world of tuberous sclerosis, and it is quite the world. It affects every single organ system, so it's an unruly pursuit of trying to get ahead of this disease. There is endless opportunities to be anxious. Yeah, so I remember when I went in to see the genetic counselor, she recommended the support group that I am now a part of on Facebook. It is TSC Mommy's Group, and these women are unlike any women I've ever met before. We are a sisterhood of moms that come together in pursuit of our children and using each other to educate and find better ways to provide a better future for these children. I feel like everyone knows a mother's love is, is endless and boundless and will do anything to protect their young. And these moms are examples of that in real life form. It's really cool to experience this overwhelmingly sad diagnosis, but sharing it feels a little less heavy when you are doing it with other moms. So the support group is so important to me, and I am just so thankful for those friendships and that that's even accessible um, to me nowadays. Yeah, like with the internet, oh my gosh, and social media, that is definitely a benefit. So Cole is now a year and a half, he'll be two this summer. Now that you have gone through the first year, especially, and you've come out on the other side, what would you say to the mom who is just now finding out, maybe not necessarily that their child has TSC, because I know how rare that is, but a new mom of any type of medical complexity in a child, what would you want them to know? What would you say to them? Or what would you say to yourself? There's so many things, but one thing is to just allow things to evolve and not have to have everything meet a certain expectation or criteria. Life is so beautiful when you allow things to evolve how they're naturally supposed to be evolving. 
There are so many gifts to being a quote-unquote special needs mom or a medically complex mom if you allow it. It's definitely a headspace that you have to get into, and I definitely was not there right away. There was a lot of ups and downs and lots of times of crying in my car and screaming and why me? So I don't want to say all this and just be like, wow, like how the heck did she have, have that all that positivity? I'm, you know, two years into all this, so definitely have a lot of time under my belt. A lot of time, but not a lot of time. <laughs> so I would say the highs are higher, the lows are lower. The highs are higher in that I don't take one minute and one second for granted with Cole. Every milestone, I'm going to get emotional. Every milestone that he hits is something I'll never take for granted because I never knew if I'd see him hit those. And I feel like that's something that even just like having my second child now and he's cooing and smiling at me and I'm just like, oh, like that's cute. Like, you know, like. And I, I, I still am, like, so happy, but, like, the first time Cole smiled, I'm like, oh, my God, he's smiling. Like, it's just the highs are so high because you just don't know how things are going to affect him and if he's going to be around for his first birthday or, you know, if he's going to even understand his first birthday, if he's going to ever walk or talk. He's still not talking, but I know that when I first, the first time I ever hear him say, Mom, I'll, my heart will explode into a million pieces. and. You know, Tucker over here is neurotypical. We'll say mom and I'll definitely be like happy. I know I will and it'll be exciting, but it's a different kind and it's a higher high. And the lows, like I said, are, are much lower. Something I can't even put into words. Watching your child suffer is something that you never want to experience <laughs> or your heart. I mean, I've never been in that much agony in my life. There's actually times where if Cole is going through something medically challenging or like the days I would watch him have 30 to 40 seizures a day, I would have to go, I remember standing in the bathroom and just looking at myself and being like, it's not happening to you. It's not happening to you because I would feel it so powerfully. It would physically hurt, mentally and emotionally hurt me to watch him suffer and watch him go through those things that I would have to like ground myself in ways to remind myself that it's not happening to me. I feel like that's a really good tip because when it's to the point where like it's something that you physically cannot control, you have to be able to have something to grasp. And so I feel like that grounding makes all the sense of the world because otherwise you just, you just float away with the pain. Yes. So appreciate the highs because a low most likely is coming. So um, gear up and experience those highs and really sit in those times where things are peaceful and calm because most likely you're going to have to put on the gear and get ready for battle because things aren't always smooth, especially for a rare disease. I think also just resting in those moments where things are calm and really accepting and celebrating those wins. Finding ways that ground you are super important. So for me personally, it is as simple as this, but <laughs> washing my face in the morning and brushing my teeth, flossing, having that time by myself in the morning and at night are super important. Also, I repeat Bible verses to myself at times when I'm feeling like really emotionally unstable. And that kind of helps bring me back to the fact that God has my story written already and that I'm here to carry it out and that nothing is a surprise to him. I'm here to love, protect, 
and help my children as best as I humanly can, but that this life isn't mine per se. It's not mine to dictate and control how I believe it should look. I need to hold this all with a loose grasp because this is God's plan being carried out in my life and that my children are an extension of that. I let go of the idea that protecting him means that he needs to be 100% healthy all the time or that he needs to not be in any medical danger. That might not be what that means for me that day. It might mean that he's, you know, snuggled in my arms for that afternoon while all of his medicines hit him or the times where he's had pneumonia and we're doing breathing treatments and it doesn't mean that he's going to be healthy, but that doesn't mean that we're failing at that job of being his parent either. I want to talk about you saying like being protective as a mom, because I think watching you as one of your close friends going through this experience, I've seen a lot of things that I really admire. And one of the main things is you listening to your intuition and guiding the doctors and really just not giving up when you hear an answer that doesn't sound right in your heart. Yeah, a little backstory. Cole has epilepsy due to brain tumors. So he started having seizures in October of 2021. He would have like 30 to 40 a day where his right leg would twitch. But my mommy gut told me something was really wrong. I remember thinking that before I had Cole, there were certain things that I was going to do. Because this is a rare disease, the doctors do not have all the answers. There's also not a cure. So a lot of it depends on the moms to make medical decisions for these children. And the moms also just heavily advocate for these children. So I knew I had a big job on my hands. And so I did a lot of studying about this disease, about epilepsy, just different things that this disease can cause. So there were things that I promised myself that I would do when I had to make a medical decision for Cole. So I would consult with his TSC specialist. I would consult with other TSC moms, and then I would feel my intuition. And all three of those would hopefully guide me to the right decision. The TSC mom group was the ones that really kept me pushing and pushing for answers. And I actually went to Cincinnati and took Cole to get a second opinion from a TSC specialist that had been around for a lot longer than the one we were seeing in Maryland. And even he was stumped. Over time, we just kept going in for more and more testing, and we finally diagnosed him with epilepsy. The leg twitches were seizures, in fact, and it took us about five months to get him controlled. Now we're coming up on one year seizure free in March, which is huge. So I think also that was a very rewarding experience for me to trust my intuition, because I think intuition is one of those things that's like a muscle. The more and more you use it, and the more you see the results, the more you want to use it. So it's kind of like a snowball effect that you trust yourself more and more. I also want to say a little disclaimer, be careful of what you pray about, because the way that Cole has healed me is something I can't even, I can't even truly put into words today. But after my toxic relationship with my ex, I was so ashamed. I was so down on myself about how I could let myself go so far and be so disrespected for so long. And I prayed that God would take away this shame and this heartache from me. And Cole came into my life, even though he has a devastating, serious, rare disease diagnosis, 
he has healed me in ways, like I said, I can't even, I can't even put into words. There's just no room for shame in my heart anymore. And I'm, I'm truly just so proud of myself for how far I've come and how far we've all come as a family for protecting and rooting for Cole. I don't know. I really know what I'm trying to say. You but said I, it well. Okay. Another um, tip I want to tell moms that have medically complex kids is really trying to take every thought captive. So I read a book and it explained that when you're experiencing anxiety, you have a thought and it is not always true, right? Like that's anxiety. It can spiral out of control and then it runs your life. It can be a real thought, but it's usually dramatized. What the book recommended is you write down the anxious lie is what they call it. Then in the other column, you write down the reality of the situation and then you write down the truth. And the truth, they recommend it pulling a quote from the Bible. The lie would be when I was pregnant with Cole and I found out about his genetic disease, Cole's going to die. Cole's not going to make it. The reality of the situation is Cole had heart tumors. The doctors found them in utero early on. There was medicine available to us, if needed, that I could take that would shrink these tumors in utero. I also could, you know, I could have had him earlier and they could have done interventions outside of utero to protect him. And the truth is, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's a Bible verse, Psalms 139, 13 through 16. And that truth is stating that Cole is perfectly and wonderfully made. And God made no mistake when forming him. He is exactly who he's meant to be. That always helped me. Those three things, kind of breaking down my anxious thought and putting God in that place instead. I like that. So what part of motherhood hit you the hardest? And what has been the best part? Being a boy mom hit me the hardest, for sure. (laughs) I actually cried when I found out I was having a boy the first time. Yeah, I know. I hate to admit that. And I'm so grateful to have a child. And I love them to pieces. And I wouldn't want them any other way. But But it's part of your story that you have the unexpected turns out into like a completely different but such a beautiful way. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so I think definitely being a boy mom was one of the hardest things to comprehend and just feeling like I was totally not cut out or equipped to be a boy mom. I did not have the confidence in myself, but that's, I feel like life, right? Like it totally throws you into these unexpected circumstances and it requires you to grow and expand and become a different version of yourself, which is the beauty of life. Yes, I think that that also turned in one of the best parts of motherhood is becoming this new version of myself that I didn't even know was possible, being a boy mom. And what's been the most surprising part for me, at least, has been that I've actually really, really enjoyed it. I think I'm very task-oriented, and I like routine, and that is motherhood. (laughs) Tasks and routine, and And those are all things that make me feel grounded and in control of a situation. I feel like I'm kind of in my element. So that surprised me that I enjoy it so much. I'm glad you do. I think you're a really good mom. Oh, thanks. I think you're a good mom too. All right. So we will end. I'm going to end with one more because it's 11-11. So (laughs) of course we have to end with one more. 
What is your mission statement? Amanda Barnes' mission statement on life. If you could tell somebody one thing, what would you want them to hear? That vulnerability is the key to making deeper connections with others. And I believe that we are all placed in each other's lives to facilitate and help one another reach different levels of ourselves. I don't know, that sounds so cheesy, but... It's cheesy, but it's true. (laughs) I think to get to the best version of ourselves, we need to be vulnerable with each other. The more we're vulnerable with each other and can hold space for one another's experiences and wounds, it allows for more space to heal and allows us to be there for one another to love and accept and heal. In turn then there would be more healed and loving and accepting people in the world. Thank you so much for giving us your story. I think there's a lot of good nuggets of information in there that people can take away. And again, if you want, you can follow Amanda on Instagram at Amanda Barnes, M-A-N-D-U-H Barnes. She puts such cute photos up of her babies, and there's more information about Cole. There's also a link in her bio where you can donate to the TSC Alliance Fund because they are, like Amanda said, they don't have a cure, and they are still looking for one. Yes, and thank you guys so much for for listening, and Misty for having me on today. I don't even know. (laughs) Cut that. (laughs) You can add that in and be like... (laughs) You don't know how many times we've had to cut today because I just can't get my thoughts straight. So I hope that some of this makes sense and comes across correctly. And we will try again in a couple months when I'm hopefully don't have a newborn strapped to my chest and can think a little clearer. Yeah. Well, you did a great (laughs) job. All right, you guys, that's all from me today. Thanks so much for listening to Sweet Home Cyborg.